So this is where we're going to start <laughs> with porn. That's a good place to start at, porn. Not just any porn. Well, a specific type of porn? Well, you like buzzwords, don't you? I can have a weakness for buzzwords. What about words like free range? Ooh. Fair trade? Yes. After our the death, death. The death, death of, of porn, porn podcast, I made you a promise. You did. And I'm- what was that promise? That promise is that you are only going to watch ethical, fair trade, free-range porn. Yes. And so I went down the rabbit hole, and you know what I found was- Rabbits? No, there were no rabbits down that hole. You said you went down a rabbit hole. I'm imagining the- <sighs> Metaphorical. Oh, okay. Not literal rabbits. Not a little. I don't think I could fit down a rabbit hole. And that type of porn's illegal. Maybe if Harvey the rabbit, I could probably fit down his hole. Wait, <laughs> rabbit porn? <laughs> I don't think there is rabbit porn. Oh, what's rule 34 on the internet? If, if, if you, it, could, you could think about it, it exists. Right. So this is a little bit of a digression here, but mm-hmm. I believe that they did make porn for pigs. No. Okay. I actually saw it. What it is, is an instructional video on their, oh, and how, on to, how to turn pigs on. Uh, yes, how to so massage. So it actually shows this sensual massage to a sensual, pig. Yeah, because the, the thing is that if the pig has an orgasm, it has a higher chance of successfully fertilizing if you can make a pig come. <laughs> kissy, kissy. <laughs> I didn't even know that pigs can come, but if you're a farmer... Think of all say, that uh, the extra bacon. All the extra bacon. Have you seen this? The, yeah, the, yeah. And the dude is just, it's another day, and what does he do? His job is to fertilize pigs, and one of the ways it has to happen is that he has to make the pig come. He gives the, the pig an erotic massage. He tickles the pig. He gets behind her, and he locks in her haunches with his legs, and then he bends over her, and he kind of tickles her sides. And if you can make the pig come, more baby pigs. So that's the man's job. All I've, I've seen the video, but it doesn't seem like he's that into it. It's very mechanical he on his end. He is definitely not feeling... The- I think I think the sow can tell, though. I, she's. The- she doesn't seem that into it either. No, I think they need a couple more glasses of wine. <laughs> then maybe she'll get you into it. not get a pig drunk and then give it orgasms. It's illegal in like 15 countries. I, I doubt it. The, where is the law that says you cannot get a pig drunk? And then make her come? <laughs> I would if you could dig up some arcane law saying mm-hmm. that it is illegal to get a pig drunk and make it orgasm, orgasm mm-hmm. come for the layman. If you can find this law, I will lick your bare feet. You can go walk around Folsom Street Fair barefooted, and I will <laughs> jauntily lick <laughs> the bottom of your feet with great relish, and I will smile and say, Thank you, ma'am. If you could actually dig up some, maybe there's laws that say you can't get a pig drunk and fuck it. Maybe they needed to legislate that for some reason. Oh, you might be right. It's probably can't get the pig drunk and fuck it. But not nothing about orgasms. Ooh, tricky. All right, so there's that. And the other two factors is that I have licked shoes after the end of the day for Folsom Street Fair. And I was so sick for the next week. I was deathly ill. Also... You're having to factor in that if I do find this law, I would then be willing to walk around Folsom Street Fair barefoot, which I ain't. So this is a competition I can't You only have to walk a block or so. Uh, 
maybe just a, just a couple feet. Okay, a couple just feet. A meter. A meter. Okay. For for our European listeners, just to walk a meter or so. Okay, I'll walk a meter, and then you can get licking if I can find this law. That's fine, and you can find the 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 trashiest, dirtiest corner of Folsom Street. <laughs> I think this is going to make you suffer more than it's going to make me suffer. I'm I'm starting to realize that. Yeah, I'm, I'm I can feel the suffering already. It's in my belly. Yeah, uh, your OCD is kicking in. It is. It is. I'm getting a little itchy. Mm, you're gonna. We're gonna have to have a foot bath ready for you. <laughs> Well, I always do carry baby wipes on me at all times, and Lysol, and hand sanitizer, and alcohol squares. Yes, you're all ready to sanitize the world around you. Yes. Fact. At any point. At any point, if anything needs sanitizing, I'm there. <laughs> Dirty. It will come off! I thought they had made porn for animals. Oh, they made panda porn. Pandas are not really good at reproducing, and yeah. we should. But humans, humans are such busybodies. We think that our feels and matter so much. So we like pandas because we think they're cute to look at. Therefore, we don't want them to die off. But it turns out pandas are very ineffective at everything. They're ineffective at breeding. They're ineffective at eating. They're really good at eating. They no, they eat only bamboo. eat bamboo. And they have to eat it's 80 pounds of bamboo a day. They're large creatures. It's an incredibly ineffective means of getting calories into them. Of all the things they could eat, the amount of bamboo they have to consume in order to not die is a really inefficient setup. Oh, yeah. So they did make erotica for pandas. pandas. To get them kind of in ornery. The yeah. They make panda porn. They send it out to zoos. And the problem is that it's not that effective because they can't really get the pandas to view the porn and become aroused. Like, Yo, pandas, <laughs> check, check out this porn. All right, are you feeling it now? I'm bound yeah, to go out. Ferment wow. some bamboo for them. Yeah. <laughs> in the mood. Dim the lighting. Oh, uh, yeah. I wonder who uh, these panda porn stars are. Obviously, famous panda porn stars. We don't run in the same circles. Yeah, they're probably big in China. But not Japan? Are they big in Japan? No, they're not <laughs> big in Japan, boo. So you went down a rabbit hole. I asked. No rabbits in this hole. But I found very ethical porn. I have a boner for ethical porn. And this is all leading somewhere, I swear. I found this site called Erstes. Welcome to Erstes.com. Spelled E-R-S-T-I-E-S. Mm -hmm. And it's, from what I can tell... It's an international site, and it's all porn made by women for the women, and they, they're the main focus of it, and these women live everywhere from Germany to New Zealand, Australia, England, all over the world, and the porn is all centered around them, and it's very female-empowering porn. I love female empowerment. That's one of my favorite things in the whole world. I know, and it's self-produced, so I thought that you would love this porn. Mm-hmm. I checked out this website, watched some of their porn, and then I saw that they had a podcast. What? And surprise, it's called the Erstes Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Erstes Podcast. Because That's good branding right from there. From the site Erstes, right? Okay. They discuss issues around sex and dating and the sex industry because most of the women on the podcast work in the sex industry. They're producers, performers. They talk about women's issues and they talk about all these things. So I found this podcast on SoundCloud because being a podcast connoisseur, once I realized, hey, okay, there's this podcast about these women doing their independent porn, mm -hmm. I thought it'd be interesting. And it was. 
And then I was listening to this one episode where they were talking about sex magic. We've conjured a sparkling potion of witches, sex magic, and spiritual masturbation for you. Ooh, okay. Right? And they started discussing witches. <laughs> and how they were saying witches were the original bad girls and they were the original sluts and they were really owning themselves and doing sexual exploration. But at the time, that was evil, right? Heaven forbid that a woman be a badass or explore her sexuality. Yeah. We can't have that. That's threatening. Enjoy her body in any sort of way. Ooh, no. And then they started about talking about brooms. Mm-hmm. And that led me down this other rabbit hole. I guess mm-hmm. this rabbit hole branched off, as they tend to do, because once you start going on an internet rabbit hole hunt mm-hmm. and start thinking, hey, what's this all about? It tends to go in various directions that you never saw coming. Okay. I thought to myself, what is the deal with witches and brooms? Did you not know? I didn't know. I looked into this, and witches did ride brooms. Yep. And they were riding them for a very specific reason. Oh, yes, they were. Right? They were actually riding these brooms to get off. And there is a reason why witches are associated with brooms, but it's not what we think about in the whole Hollywood witches riding around in the sky, cackling on their broomsticks. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. (laughs) They were riding their brooms to get really fucked up. True story. I did not know about this. It all goes back to Ergot. And you know what Ergot is. Yes, I do. But for our listeners that do not have knowledge of what Ergot is, it is a fungus that grows on rye. Mm-hmm. And way back when, people grew a lot more rye than we have today. Today, we eat a lot more wheat, but a lot of bread and everything back then, rye we're bread. talking 1500s, mm-hmm. was made with rye. Mm-hmm. And this mold would grow on the rye, and in this Ergot mold is... But it's essentially because Albert Hoffman, the the chemist that isolated LSD, was working on this chemical compound that he found in the ergot. It's incredibly toxic, but it will get you really high. Who anybody who's ever done acid can attest. Mm-hmm. But they didn't know this. Nope. People would just get into some bad bread. And they would freak out. Devils, and, witchcraft. Oh, yeah. Devils obviously taking over. It's in you. I mean, back then, most everything was explained through evil spirits and mm-hmm. you know, whatnot. If you were not anticipating, if you had no idea for a reference of what acid possibly was, and you think you're eating bread, and the next thing you know, you're hallucinating and freaking out and seeing things. It's obviously spirits and possessions. The devil is real. No doubt. Yeah, that was a, a lot of the, the Salem witch trials were supposedly based on the fact that there was some bad bread that caused... I mean, once the ball started rolling in terms of the hallucinations, in terms of the just the, the paranoia and the freaking out... Oh, and once a, once a society starts panicking, right. it's all over. Right. Well, there's nothing worse than a panicked mob. Mm-hmm. We have found the witch! May we burn her? Burn As I followed this rabbit hole down... I saw that they were not just experimenting with the ergot. That was one of the first things they noticed is they made this connection that we're eating this bad bread and we're getting really high. They started experimenting with other things such as nightshade, mandrake root, henbane, jimson weed, a lot of really heavy hallucinogenic compounds. Mm -hmm. What they realized is that this stuff, while being incredibly hallucinogenic, was also incredibly poisonous. 
and could really make you sick. Their workaround for this is that they would make ointments out of these hallucinogenic herbs. and They would make these balms. They would call them flying ointments. Mm-hmm. And they would smear these ointments on a broomstick and then rub these ointments into their mucous membranes. By riding around naked on an ointment-smeared broomstick until they were tripping balls? Yeah, because Ooh. the best mucous membrane for a woman to access is obviously... Her vagina. Her vagina. These witches, well, I guess they weren't calling themselves witches. They were just these ladies looking to get off and have some crazy experiences. Right? More power hey, I don't to know them. if you have any plans Thursday night, but if you could sneak out of the house, we're all going to gather in this barn and get naked and slather these broomsticks with ointments and then run around in a circle with the broomsticks between our legs. Trust me, you'll be talking to the devil soon enough. Oh, yeah. I'm sure anybody that came upon them in the woods dancing around a bonfire, riding on their brooms, <laughs> tripping balls, is going to say, Woo-hoo! Them ladies got the devil in them. Right, right. I could see where one would make that that conclusion, yes. Yeah. I didn't know this. Uh, that, that That's how the brooms became synonymous mm-hmm. with witches, is because they were essentially the first hippies. They were just wanting to, to get off and spread some ointment, some hallucinogenic cream up in their cooch, and... <laughs> Well, that is that's that is a large component. That's not the entire component. Are you aware of the fact that back in the day, women did the brewing? Women were ale crafters. Yeah, and heaven, it actually ended up becoming a fairly successful business. And the signs of ale crafters were these tall, pokey hats. And they would use the broom as part of the advertising campaign. Well, so they would sometimes use these brooms as whisks for, right. for mixing mm-hmm. the brew. So that's possibly why the broom was there for them to smear their hallucinogenic ointment on was because they were whisking up their cauldron. Their well, bubble, if, you bubble, look into, if you look into the history of ale crafting, it was one of the few businesses that a woman was allowed to do. Ale crafting was considered a woman's work. It was too lowly for a man to bother. But when a woman didn't have a lot of economic opportunities... And she started doing this ale crafting, and after a couple of decades, men started realizing that women were actually getting economic power, and they couldn't have that, heaven forbid. And they took the pointy hat that these ale crafters were wearing as a sign of what their job was, and the the broom whisks that they were using, and they turned it into witchcraft. And they took Why were these ale crafters wearing pointy hats? People throughout all of human history have worn funny hats. Strange hats, just to (laughs) designate their profession. Well, yeah, when you think of what what was the the tricorner hat, why are people Uh, wearing hats like little triangles? Well, the chef's hat that looks like a large souffle on their head. Right, right. hats hats can just be a sign of status. There's a reason for it, though. Well, we could look that up as soon as I am done looking up. That's the, another podcast. We're going to focus on hats. <laughs> I First, I need to do the research for the law saying it's illegal to get a pig drunk and make her come because my feet need to be licked. Thank you very much. It's not, I want to see this law. I will find this law. These women riding around in their brooms slathered with hallucinogenic ointment. Were, they knew how to party. They did know how to party. I would have partied with these ladies. These ladies were, I think they were... Trailblazers. Trailblazers. That was the word I was looking for. Yes, thank you. Trendsetters. Well, they were far above their, their time. They were owning their womanhood. Their womanitude. Yeah, they were. And they paid the price for it. They did. Burnings and drownings and whatnot. 
Can't have women get too uppity. Some of the original badass women. I'm a big fan of badass women. I know you are. I did see that this flying ointment is available on Etsy, of course. Like everything else is available on Etsy. So you're saying I could go to Etsy and order some flying ointment that would make me hallucinate and then I am supposed to slather it on a broom. I have a broom in the garage. And then hop around in a circle naked? Or, you know, we are a little bit more progressive these days. We could just put it on a dildo. I call me close-minded. So for science, I think we should get some ointment, <laughs> spread it on a dildo, and I will rub it into your mucous membranes. Um, yeah, I'll get back to you on that one. Um, and then we can record a podcast Ooh. while doing that. <laughs> See what happens. The devil is speaking to me. I am licking his anus. They did a lot of anus licking. Like, analingus was really big. That was called the the devil's kiss. When women would be initiated into the coven, one of the rituals that was supposed to be was that you became initiated by licking the devil's sphincter. It was called the devil's kiss. So let me get this straight. These women were getting together Mm -hmm. and... Getting high. Tripping out. By riding their brooms with their and then, crazy lube. Yes. And then saying, hey, if you want to join our group, you have to lick the, my butt. No, the devil, Satan himself would appear. Oh, Satan would appear. The, oh, the devils, they, the, 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 the initiation ritual is supposedly the climactic thing that they would then be initiated into the coven, is that Satan himself would appear, spread his butt cheeks, and the applying novice witch would have to perform analingus. Like the sphincter of Satan. Yes. Drive your tongue into the bowels of hell. Wow. I was not aware of this. People get really hung up around sexuality. Well, I can imagine that they're tripping balls on acid out in the middle of the woods. They could probably think Satan's coming. I'm going to lick his butt. <laughs> that that shows the sign of the contract you've made with the Dark Lord. Yeah. See, I thought the devil went down to Georgia. You know, you have to engage him in a fiddle duel, but that's... Even worse. Analingus. Devil went down to Georgia. He's got some ass to lick. Yep. (laughs) Damn it, Johnny. (laughs) So that's what I got right now is Aristis Podcast. Check it out. You can find him on SoundCloud. You can also find him on Twitter at Aristis Podcast. I'll put links on the page. I thought that was incredibly interesting. I had no idea about these women getting high on their brooms. And then it became part of folklore. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I can imagine it would be a strong image for somebody to see and associate this woman has been possessed because she's flying around. She's getting really high mm-hmm. on her broom. Being a teenager sucks. And it's challenging. And as a young female, as a teenager feeling particularly powerless at 13 or 14, I really, really got into the concept of witchcraft. I checked out every single book I could get from the library on the concept of witchcraft and tried spells and salt in the four directions. It's all bullshit. None of it works. None I'm of sorry it- to all of our Wiccan listeners out there. I don't believe in magic. I believe that you can consciously focus your attention. And for some Wiccans out there, consciously focusing their attention on something feels good to them and is powerful. They are, that's valid. They're allowed to have that. I wanted to change weather. I wanted to levitate stuff. I was... None of that. I had the salt and I did the binding and the candles and the four directions and sky clad. Now, now I didn't manage to levitate a single pencil or shift anything. I wasn't able to concentrate my consciousness enough. But what I'm I did, amazed. 
you shut your mouth hole. I believe that you could take a lot of hardcore hallucinogenic drugs and believe that you're talking to spirits. I'm certain that you can. At 13, I was not taking hardcore hallucinogenic drugs and talking to spirits. I was trying to levitate pencils. Failed on that completely. My point is, in my research, that was when I first started realizing, I, I first clued into the, the brooms and the flying ointments. I was like, oh, is that what that was about? Okay, interesting. So you're a little late to the party, my friend. I Well, I've discussed this with other people and they didn't know. Oh. I'm just spreading the knowledge. Oh, okay, I'm into- I had never researched okay. witches and brooms. I think it's great, though, that so many little girls are going to be running around because Halloween is coming up. Mm-hmm. So many little, pretty little girls could be running around with their little broomsticks in their hats. <laughs> and people aren't going to realize what oh, I'm doing is, look, oh, I have my little beer brewing hat and I got my little hallucinogenic <laughs> broomstick here. Trick or treat, give me candy or I'm going to come to your house and do bad things to you. It's just all these holidays. If you look into the... The, the backstory of all of these it, traditions yeah. and holidays, there's something really fucked up going oh, on. Yeah, yeah. I love learning all those fucked up things. We'll have to do a Christmas episode about all the fucked up shit around Christmas. Oh, yeah. Krampus. Krampus? Yeah, with with the beating and the, yeah, that was putting kids in sacks. That was pretty fucked up. I had one last broomcraft thing that I wanted to share with you. Yeah. You, I'm sure you're aware of how big Harry Potter got, right? People have been talking about Harry I Potter. I don't, I've never heard of this Harry Potter. Okay, well, it's a, it's a thing. You Tell shouldn't... me, is it is it a thing? <laughs> it's a thing. Okay. Yeah, you're a brat. I have a Harry Potter book I'm about to throw at your head. So, anywho, yes, it's here in the bedroom. Harry Potter. That's not the point. You're supposed to be reading it for your book club. I, I'm... Sh- <laughs> I am supposed to be reading it for my book club. But when Harry Potter first came out, they had this genius idea. Let's merch. Let's make some merch. Everyone wants to buy a product. Merchandising. 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 Let's let's make some merch that is a broom that you could ride around as if you two were Harry Potter in the game of what was it Quidditch? Smear acid on? No acid smearing. Let's eat some mushrooms and ride around in our broom? <laughs> no. It was a toy and somewhere between marketing, concept, development, execution, and selling, no one noticed that it was basically a giant vibrator. They had to pull it off the market, but not until after it had been made, it had been shipped to stores, and it's a vibrating boomstick. And so your child is supposed to straddle this broomstick and then turn it on, and it (laughs) vibrates between their legs because they're flying. Of course, it's simulated. Mommy, I'm flying. I can feel it. (laughs) It's tickling flying. I I think after just a couple, you know... prepubescent or or you know young teenage girls young teenage girls were waddling around the house with something vibrating between their legs their parents are like wait a minute and the, the girls refuse to give it back and i don't yet sorry honey it's been recalled from my cold dead hands <laughs> my cold dead hands mommy you will not take my broom away from my cold dead hands you <laughs> it's my favorite toy exactly <laughs> Okay, let's make this small vibrating thing that kids will put between their legs. Yeah, that's... I don't know how that one didn't get caught in manufacturing, but yeah, I've I've seen photos of it. I've never actually... I I think that there's still some that are available on Amazon, but they're... Oh, you can find anything on eBay, probably. But they're really expensive. They're a collector's item at this point. of course. It's an expensive vibrator. Anything that gets recalled, of course, is going to be like that. Right, well, if you want to have it recalled over sexuality and children, that gets even... People get even more weird about that. Speaking of vibrators and badass women, mm-hmm. I think that's going to bring us to the topic of this podcast, vibrators and badass women. Uh, 
two of my favorite things. Because right? you interviewed Metis Black <gasps> from Tantus Toys. I love Metis Black. She's a total badass. And what else do you talk to Metis Black about but dildos and vibrators? Dildos and vibrators. Well, also impact toys and butt plugs and cock rings and ball stretchers. And they do rope as well. It's a one-stop shop for getting your kink needs met. Quite multifaceted. Indeed. That'll be coming up, the interview with Metis Black, and more talk of badass women's. Hell yeah. Bring it. But if you want to ask us any questions or have anything that you want to hear on the podcast, you can always give us a call at the dedicated podcast line. And what is that podcast number, Mr. Gray? It is 614-733-4739. Again, that is 614-733-4739. Or colloquially known as 614-R-D-Gray. Ta-da! Give us a call. Give us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back in just a minute with some news bits. From around the world to your living room, this is News Bits. Goody DeGray. I see what you did there. That's, what that's good. news bits doth you have for us today? To the court, I would like to offer the news bit of badass women who I am quite fond of. I am a self-identified badass woman, if it may please the courts. And today I'm presenting Catherine Switzer. Now, why does this name have any sort of bearing or significance? Well, if you Google her, you can actually see pictures of her being physically assaulted. <gasps> Why would anyone assault a woman named Catherine Switzer? Because she had the audacity in 1967 to run the Boston Marathon. And she had a vagina. The devil, you say? The devil probably made her do it. So in 1967, you couldn't run in a marathon with a vagina. And what had happened is that... She claims that she applied and was given the numbers under her initials. And her initials were very gender neutral. It was uh, K.W. Switzer. So you wouldn't think that that was male or female. And she said that she had uh, done papers and articles under that name. And so no biggie. I think that it was not accidental that she chose to apply for her numbers with her initials and not her name. But she started running. She was actually a marathon runner. And There'd was, be trickery afoot. Sometimes you have to subvert the patriarchy. Like in, George Sands. Yes, like George Sands. Sometimes you have to subvert the patriarchy. What makes the 67 Boston Marathon particularly intriguing for me is that even though Catherine was the one that has the recognition, there was actually another woman that was running in the marathon as well, but she didn't get her numbers and she beat Catherine. But Catherine is noted for being the one that had the numbers pinned on her chest. In the middle of her running the marathon, a race official saw her, got completely offended that a vagina was running in his marathon, and physically tackled her, trying to pull her out of the marathon. And luckily, her boyfriend at the time pulled the race official off her. But if you see the pictures, you see this indignant dude 
who is physically accosting a woman who's doing nothing but being into running and attempting to run the marathon. But, you know, once these uppity vaginas start getting ideas above their station, they're going to demand pockets. They're going to want to build a vote. And then they'll want to put things in those pockets. They will. Trouble. Nothing but trouble. They'll put trouble in their pockets? Mm-hmm. Mm. That sounds like a country song. <laughs> She's got trouble in her pockets. <laughs> so that is my badass woman. Because the theme of this podcast is badass woman. Badass woman. So she stuck it to the man while running in a marathon, while daring to have a vagina. Yep. Thank you for sharing that moment of badass women in history. You're very welcome. I'll be right back with my badass woman. Ooh. Can't wait to hear. badass woman was Catherine who got attacked attempting to run the Boston Marathon in 1967. Who is your badass woman? I'm going to bring it back. You're going to do a callback? I'm doing a callback. What are you doing a callback to? We're going to call this This Week in Naked Mole Rat News. This Week in Naked Mole Rat News. You do love you some naked mole rats. We've definitely... But I've never loved a naked mole rat, let's be clear. Right, right. That's That would be illegal and creepy. And... Possibly. We haven't found the laws on that yet. <laughs> You're right. I've been doing some research during the break, and I have not been able to find any laws saying it's illegal to get a pig drunk and make her come. But we have found lots of other strange sex laws, which I think we should do another podcast on. I did find a law in Florida saying it's illegal for two pigs to fuck on airport property. Yeah, off airport property, completely yeah. legit. It's all good to Do go. Do all the banging you want. I did notice that there was a lot of strange laws about drunk fish. It is- Who are it, these people getting these fish drunk? People with a lot of spare time. I think these laws- it's a lot of spare were, time and spare alcohol <laughs> and fish. Well, I think before television was invented or radio and these laws were getting put on the books, people were bored and they had more time on their hands. And I guess it was enough of a problem of people getting fish drunk that they had to implement laws in both Ohio and South Dakota. Where you was it South Dakota or was it South it was Carolina? Dakota. Oh, South Carolina, South Carolina, and Ohio, where it is illegal to don't, don't slander the Dakotas. Oh, I'm... <laughs> nobody dare get a fish drunk at the Dakotas. <laughs> they would know better than that. But it's enough of a problem that it had to be put in the law books. So coming up, strange sex laws. That's future <laughs> podcast. Oh, definitely, definitely. They're all over the place. Bring it back to my Nick rats. Indeed. This story is about the queen. She's a killer queen, got body gelatine, dynamite with a laser beam, guaranteed to blow your mind. Queens are badass women, mm-hmm. just like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> so we all know that naked mole rats are eusocial. You know what that means. Please elaborate. They live in a hive. Okay. Right? And they are one of the few mammal species that will live in a hive. Usually 
that's reserved for insect colonies, ants, wasps, those sort of bees. Yeah, bees. There'll be a central queen. All the rest will be drones, workers, everything mm-hmm. like that. Mammals that doesn't happen, except with naked mole rats, because naked mole rats are the exception to everything. There is a queen, and she is the only naked mole rat that is allowed to reproduce. Her, How does she prevent all of the other mole rats from reproducing? She does it in two ways. First, she attacks any other uppity females, okay. naked mole rat females, that try to usurp her, her queenliness. And she also sends out a chemical message in her urine that suppresses their fertility. Oh, so she's using the power of piss to make sure that no one else can reproduce around her. Yeah, she's into some water sports, but she is <laughs> letting these ladies know by her powerful royal pee that you shall not reproduce. <laughs> and it's just the queen and three or four male naked mole rats that are allowed to reproduce, and they produce all the pups for the colony. But they do not take care of the pups. They have the subordinates take care of the pups. Unfortunately, their maternal instinct has been suppressed, suppressed as well. Urine. Been suppressed by the urine because they don't they don't become fertile and usually maternal instinct develops in mammals after they've gone through puberty and they've had children. There'll be natural hormones that are released to make women more maternal. But they are in charge of taking care of all the pups. How does she kickstart their maternal instincts? So she uses the power of her pee to stop them from reproducing, but now she's creating the pups and she needs the naked mole rats who she suppressed their breeding to be invested in caring for her young. How how does she do that? Since the other females' reproductive organs have never developed and they don't have this maternal instinct... She makes them eat her feces. She passes along chemical messages in her feces that make the other female naked mole rats want to care for her children that she has in her naked mole rat orgies with her and her breeding men. <laughs> with all of her cabana pool boys? Yeah. So here, here's the situation that we have going on in the naked mole rat society. The queen pisses, leaving messages for the other women saying, no, you can't have children. You're not going to develop your reproductive organs. Shut that shit down. But then eat some of my shit so that you will take care of my kids. That's badass. Wow. Are they escorted one by one into the throne room and given a meal so that they will then want to go I'm care sure for sure that she just leaves little globules of poop around various places that the other mole rats go and nibble on. Because it's queen poop. Oh, is this a bonbon for me? <laughs> Look at what uh, the queen has left for me. And now I have a sudden urge to care for children. Oh, yeah. But once the naked mole rat queen dies, then there is huge infighting with all the remaining females as to who's going to become the next dominant female. Oh. They're, they're all fighting for this chance to start becoming the reproductive one and then, I guess, piss on the other ones and make <laughs> them eat their shit as well. Naked mole rat society is a very interesting society indeed. No wonder we keep revisiting the topic. They're almost as worse as the Tudors. <laughs> that was good. That's what I have for us for this week in Naked Mole Rat News. 
This week, the Naked Morat News. So mine is a badass woman running in the marathon, and yours is a odd mammal making her fellow mammals eat her feces. That's pretty badass. She it takes a lot to be a queen in oh, yeah. the mammal kingdom. Oh yeah, dead. You don't want to trifle it... with some naked mole rat queen. Oh hell no! I wouldn't dream of it. We'll be coming up with another interview with a badass woman. One of my favorite badass women. We'll be back right after this. Woot! Hello, all you people out there in podcast land. Hello. I am Chris, and I am here today to plug Randy Gray's Patreon. <gasps> if awesome. you are not already a member of Randy Gray's Patreon, I ask you, why not? I'm yeah, actually, why not? I'm actually a member. I was the first member because I set up the Patreon account for you, and I have been a supporting member of yours from the beginning. And look at me. I'm on your podcast now. <laughs> that worked out well for you, it didn't it? did. So join the Patreon. If you haven't been on there, you are missing half the fun because we are posting videos on there. We are posting special mini podcast episodes on there as well. We are posting tons of behind the scene content and you get this podcast a week before everyone else. And you also get the advice column a week before everyone else. So if you want all this nifty behind-the-scenes action and some pretty cool thank-you presents, like mugs and shirts and whatnot, check out the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Gray, or go to reindegray.com, that's R-A-I-N-D-E-G-R-E-Y dot com, and you'll find all that information there, as well as the latest advice columns and podcasts and a whole slew of other and articles and classes oh yeah all the comings and goings everything mm-hmm. the comings and the goings yes hopefully there'll be more coming than going fingers crossed Ooh, shocker <laughs> i love the shocker enjoy the patreon it's worthwhile i think so <laughs> so you get the money boo Yes. Tell us about this badass woman that you got coming on the podcast for us. It's the one and only Metis Black from Tantis. You did some articles for them. That's not that how you started working with her? Yes. Tantis, in addition to having a large selection of high-quality toys, has a section on their website, which is sex ed blogs. And they have a wide range of sex ed writers, myself included, that write about a whole variety of topics. So if you're going to their website, you don't even necessarily be needing to purchase a toy if you want free sex ed. I'll drop a link on our podcast page for that. Metis was your demo bottom recently when you went to Thunder of the Mountains. That's actually how this interview came about. I had been invited to come present at Thunder of the Mountains, and I wasn't totally sure that I was going to do it. And in the end, I ended up being really grateful that I did because it gave me a chance to connect and get to know Metis a little better. And as a result, I managed to book her to appear on this podcast to be interviewed. For those listeners that have not heard it and are not Patreon supporters of yours, there is a mini podcast available on Patreon that encompasses your whole trip to Thunder Thunder in the Mountains. Metis is mentioned a time or two. I think you might have a small weed crush on this woman. She's such a badass. I do like her. It's true. I admit it. 
Well, Meta's black. Come on down. <laughs> well, thank you. Welcome. Do you have anything interesting you'd like to share about the the history of how Tantus came to be? Did you always have a desire for pegging? And was that one of the things that motivated you to do dildo manufacturing? I think I had a passion for butt sex. Not necessarily pegging. And pegging wasn't even a word back then. We started in 97. And pegging didn't start as a term even until 2005. But I was definitely exploring anuses. And... <laughs> And we not just with silicone toys. We were playing with acrylic toys and later glass toys. And it became more important about the physiology that most sex toys were missing. So combining the physiology and our knowledge of how our bodies were reacting to toys and different stimulus and how next stays in or doesn't, from there you make the leap to using a strap-on but to be able to actually just palpate what's going on in a butt the musculature the curves of the body it's pretty fascinating shit and no one was doing that either Tantus came into the industry and had to educate the whole industry because we did from top to bottom educating the buyers and the owners of stores why they'd want to pay more for a silicone toy, something that would last in, in a world of planned obsolescence, something that you would have to pay more for when everything at the time was $20. But why it was worthwhile, because here was a material that didn't off-gas. In the first trade show I ever did, we set it up like a gallery because that's what we'd come from. We had this whole table full of butt plugs right at the front of the booth. And I go through my spiel and say, with silicone, there's no smell. And I wish I had a camera back then, a video camera, showing who's who in the world of adult picking up a butt plug and smelling it because everyone did it. Everyone picked up the butt plugs to smell. <laughs> and my claim to fame of the, of the adult industry. <laughs> it was just one of those amazing, amazing moments. But the physiology of the ass is incredible. So even when glass toys took off during the, the late 90s, early 2000s, people were trying to make glass strap-ons. And I'm oh, like, going, what? do that. Oh, yeah. Oh. The industry was trying to put glass everywhere, and you can't do that with a strap-on. They were mm -hmm. selling it as a kit. If you remember phallics, they were very good friends of mine. And he's going, what do you think about this? And I go, look away. Do not do this. This is so unsafe. It's insane. The, you have no nerve endings in your dildo, mm -hmm. so you can't tell what you're doing got to go so slow and you've got to work with the curves of the body of that person who's allowing you to be there and you know all the things mm -hmm. all the things i want all the things but i do not want to hurt my toys the the people that i'm interacting with <laughs> i don't want to be stabbing you with a piece of glass in your most delicate nether regions have something go amiss and i myself can't tell Oops. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's 
it's funny enough when I, you know, I'm, I'm going in a rhythm pattern and all of a sudden it's no longer in you. And I think that it is. And you have to go, um, <clears throat> I lost my dick. <laughs> but happens and you have to let be able to laugh at it which is one of the other great the best things about strap-on you have to have a sense of humor to to do strap-on play true funny it's funny you're gonna get in a situation and otherwise it's gonna be miserable Mm -hmm. it is going to be miserable if you are so intensely focused and and making certain that everything goes right it's never it's sex nothing ever goes right with sex it's it's not just strap on play it's it's all sexual play you have to have a huge sense of humor because what you're approaching it's utterly ridiculous you you look ridiculous you're sweating you're bright red dna's Uh dna is flying everywhere your o face is not sexy like and and then i'm gonna strap on something between my legs and poke you with it anything when it comes to the butt because let's just be honest things come out of butts Exactly. So I'm putting things in, things are coming out, and if you can't deal with that, you don't have a right to be near the butt. Exactly. We have such shame and, and guilt and weirdness and just general ick, particularly in America, that we approach sex around. It's so in the shadows and in the closet that there isn't any real regulation. If you're enough of a pervert to buy a sex toy, we don't care if you're sticking a melted cancer stick up your mucous membranes. <laughs> Right, and, and and we have exactly we have, we have done that. Right, yeah. There is consumer affairs, which you would think would cover dildos, vibrators, butt plugs. But here's the thing: you have to have a doctor that recognizes when you come in to a medical consultation that that irritation that's going on there was caused by a dildo, not just that there's something else going on that the mucous membranes that are causing you this discharge that's not yeast it's Mm. not a bacterial infection it's not the all the other things that it could be it is a component of the exposure to chemicals doctors aren't looking for it and here's the worst part when a sex toy doesn't work for you, you feel like you're the one that's broken. Mm-hmm. So there is so much weight to that. You and I are from, we both grew up in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. We are so privileged to have been around stores that sold decent uh, materials mm-hmm. and be exposed to that, that had that consciousness. And, and mm-hmm. we had boutiques, multiple boutiques that would explain to us as we were growing up why you were paying for stuff. But when I started traveling, I noticed that was not the case. You had to be in an elite urban area in order to get that, which Mm -hmm. is why Tantis came about. We came about when there was less than 10 manufacturers worldwide making silicone sex toys and none of them were mainstreaming it there were ceramicists doing silicone sex toys and publishers doing silicone sex toys there was a massage therapist doing silicone sex toys there was no manufacturers no people who had done any production 
doing silicone sex toys. That was where Tantus stepped in. I had a background where I had been in a manufacturing firm, seen everything that you could do wrong, which was a company I worked for doing the, the um, Renfair stuff circuit, a pewter foundry. And my business partner, Chris, who became my husband after a little while, had made the world's largest silicone mold. He had done lots of silicone projects. Silicone's mainly a mold-making material, or used to be. Now, it was being used in a totally different way, but we knew how to manufacture and how to do production. We came at it from a very different angle, and our goal was to mainstream the safest material for sex toys. That's an incredibly noble goal, and I am just amused and tickled that thanks to Renfair and some pewter manufacturing, the world's safest sex toys are being created. Uh, First it was goblet, then it was dildos. <laughs> so among the many hats that you wear, activist and uh, educator are a few of those hats. You are involved, were involved uh, with Woodhall. Do you want I to? Still am. Oh, 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 still am. Okay. Oh, there was I'm just a... not on the board. Oh, okay, you're not on the board anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you want to go into a little detail about that? I've always found that sure. pretty fascinating. Sure. You know, and Bridges social media, which is a very interesting thing. Back in the day, I had this live journal profile. This is way back when, in the late '90s, early 2000s, when the thought that you could be anonymous online still existed. And well, I found out quickly that that didn't really keep. But I had this little profile on LiveJournal called Dildo Girl. I talked a lot about my personal sex life there, which was really wonderful um, at the time. I was having a lot of fun. It was mainly BDSM, a little bit of sex toys. And I'd go into these communities on LiveJournal and write about strap-ons or butt plugs or answer sex ed questions because you really didn't have that platform yet on the internet of where to go for anything other than diseases and pregnancies. And that wasn't really my emphasis on sex ed. So one of the people that I wrote with a lot was Hardy Haberman who is one of the co-board members of Woodhull. And a couple of years ago, they invited me to talk about the UN sexual health principles that the UN has created and the sex toy industry. And Greg DeLong from Enjoy and I were invited to be part of their day-long planetary. So we were there talking and Hardy invited me to be part of the board and I told him fuck no <laughs> because I was part of another board that didn't really work very well and I was really reluctant to get on to yet another board that I didn't understand the workings of so I started working on some special projects with Ricky Levy and she and I worked really well together so I did two and a half years three years really on the board of Woodhull, changing their branding and recreating some of their emphases and 
getting bloggers involved and really honing their social media presence. And after three years, I don't think you should be on a board longer than that. So I stepped away, but I am still very close with that board and what they do because what they do is so special. They are a nonprofit that does the intersections between human rights and sexuality. And there is no one else doing work like they are. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for joining us. You are a delight and quite honestly, one of my favorite humans that I have, mm. have had the pleasure to meet to date. I really admire and respect you and what you're doing. For all of our listeners out there, can you let us know where you could be found, where Tantus could be found? Is there anything that you would like to promote, pitch, uh, represent, let people track you down? We're available always on tantusinc.com. And don't just go to the sales. Go read the articles. There's such good sex ed on that site. I have honed that forever. I've been writing on it and getting guests writers like Rain Gray, and there's just such a plethora of really amazing, amazing stories and information there. If they don't have us at your local brick-and-mortar store, ask for us. (laughs) It's a push-pull system. (laughs) Um, It's definitely a push-pull system. We try our best to bring you the, the best toys out there. We were the first with silicone cock rings. We were the first with silicone ball stretchers. We've been the first with paddles. Oh my God. Our silicone paddles are amazing. Um, Try it. You'll like it. (laughs) I've been seeing some really good reviews for the silicone paddles. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. I've got to send you a set. Okay. I will send you a set. Yes, please. <laughs> I'll write. I'll write a review on them. Amazing. I, I would love that. That okay. would be awesome. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Rain. All right, my dear. Take care. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us again for another informative episode of Dirty Talk with Rain DeGray. Booyah. I want to thank Metis Black again for coming on and doing an interview. Hopefully, She's awesome. She is pretty cool. Hopefully, we'll talk more with her in the future. Mm-hmm. Although, I hear there's no future because time is just a flat circle. It is a flat circle. Again, if you have questions for the podcast, give us a call at 614-733-4739, also known as... 614-R-DeGray. Right. We've done this before. We shall do this again. Yes. Everything is connected. Just just keep calling us. Give us questions. Give us feedback. We love to hear from you guys and what's on your dirty little minds. <laughs> if you like the podcast, please go find it on your preferred podcast listening format. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Basically, anywhere and everywhere you can find a podcast or possibly listen to one, we will be there lurking in the shadows. Rate us. Review us. us. Follow us. Subscribe to us. If you like this, tell other people about it. We love doing these podcasts. We love hearing positive feedback from you people. And we wouldn't be doing this if you guys weren't out there listening to us do it. It would just be the two of us sitting in a room staring at each other. 
which we we do now and then, but it's more exciting if there's now I'd like to I would like to add a caveat. It doesn't have to just be positive feedback. It Any sort of feedback. feedback. Just or constructive feedback. Constructive criticism. If you have any ideas on how we could improve that, we'd also love to hear yeah. that as well. Let us know. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Until then. Bye.